Mm, sorry, just getting over this this cough. It's really, really dry cough. Uh, it's just not going away, but um, I don't know. Anyways, uh, welcome back, folks. This is your host, the Liberty Hippie, here with you again for another episode of the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast. Today is episode number 60, which means you can find the show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 060. My guest today is uh, is the Bearded Fisherman. I mean, that, that name alone, you should know who he is. And if you don't, figure it out. Figure it out. And you will know after this this show. Anyway, uh, Gary, aka the Bearded Fisherman, is uh, from up up there in, in New York. And uh, I don't know, I think I, I saw him stacking wood funny once upon a time on Instagram and uh, reached out to him and, and I thought he'd be a, a curious guy to get on and, and hear what he does. And, uh, you know, always... I always like to reach out to just random, random people that I don't really know and uh, get them to come on. So Gary, uh, he grows some hops, he does some stuff, and uh, they're on on a couple acres and they get it all done. And uh, it's a good dude, good story. Uh, I invite you to stick around and, and check it out. So uh, let's get let's get it going. Let's get it on. Let's go do this thing and uh, let's go plant those liberty seeds with Mr. Gary, the bearded fisherman. My guest today is uh, is Gary up there in uh, my my home state, I guess, of of New York. Um, you find him over at uh, the Bearded Fisherman on on Instagram and uh, Two Branches Homestead. Um, it's a wonderful little website there you can check out. But uh, yeah, I brought Gary on today because, uh, as you can tell, he he does some homesteading stuff, uh, not just some, but quite a bit, and uh, that'd be a, a an interesting interesting conversation. So, uh, Gary, thanks for coming on and, uh, and talking and, and telling us about your, uh, your setup. Yeah, it'd be great. I, I, I look forward to doing it. Um, I love to talk homesteading. It's one of my passions. So I, I jumped at the uh, opportunity to do this. <laughs> right on. Um, yeah. So did you, I know you guys have been, you've been doing this, uh, for a while. Uh, was it something you did as a, as a kid? No, no, actually not at all. No, I started out, actually, we lived in New York City, believe it or not, when I was a kid. And then we moved upstate uh, in my teenage years. Okay. When did you start gardening, I guess, or how did you? We bought our first house in like 1995. And uh, we, you know, immediately planted a garden. And uh, the the homesteading thing, probably, I don't know exactly when it happened. uh, One day we had I looked up and I had chickens and I had pigs and I had hops and grapes and things. And I said, you know what? I, I'm homesteading. I, I didn't even make a conscious decision to do it. It kind of happened on its own. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's funny how that happens. It, it's just one little thing and leads into the, to the next. How was that getting started when you guys put a, put a garden in? Um, we were, we're very fortunate here. We're, we're sort of on a, uh, an old river flat. And so the soil is very good here. We have lots of sun. So, uh, to put it in, I initially did it, you know, with a shovel and, mm. and and a hoe and those sort of things. You know, later on, we got some tillers and things like that. All right. What, did you guys, uh, 
were you were you fairly successful in the beginning or was it kind of uh struggle along and stick with it or well just like you know most things in homesteading you know you i'm usually successful right away but then Mm -hmm. something beats me down pretty quickly just when i think i got it something gets me you know um so in the first garden you know of course the first couple years you plant in the same place you're usually pretty good and then uh you get the same bugs in the same place and you have to work on that and you you know you lose your fertility in the soil you have to make amendments so you know in the beginning it was very good but then we had to learn you know we couldn't just go down to the garden center stick something on the ground and grow it we had to uh, mm-hmm. work to make it grow after that yeah what, what was some of the the first uh first things you guys tried growing i think like everybody else you know we did tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and uh my my favorite thing to grow is pumpkins you know i love to grow pumpkins so that's something i started right away and uh you know then after the first couple of years then you got the squash bugs and all that stuff so mm-hmm. yeah it, it, down here in uh in georgia now um not a whole lot of pumpkins i tell you and uh even with the squash it's um it's tough squash bugs down here are are vicious but um yeah i've seen a lot of people put that on instagram you know that they really fight them um i, I try to rotate where i'm putting things and that seems to help quite a bit for me but there's not a lot of other people growing near me all right so how how uh how big is your garden now uh, i have two main gardens one's 40 by 40 and the other one is 20 by 100 and uh they keep me busy <laughs> i can i can imagine i can imagine do you uh do you still kind of till things up in the the spring winter there or fall or whatever and uh and go or yeah that's in the fall i usually till it you know before i put it to bed and try mm-hmm. to add you know any leaves or any um like because we have pigs i'll add the pig manure in there then or the chicken manure in there then um this year we experimented with some cover crops that we got from the um the local feed store um, so we'll see how that works when I till that back in the spring. Right. What, what did you guys plant? Uh, it was, geez, I, I want to say it was winter rye, I believe is what it was, what I planted in there. All right. Yeah. We've tried, um, we've tried a few things over the last couple of years, um, putting down cover crop. I think we did buckwheat and daikon radish one year. And this year we tried, oh, yeah. uh, clover and, and lupine. I don't know. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah it's uh how'd you guys make out um it wasn't the the daikon were great because like you could actually eat some of them afterwards and made made a bunch of kimchi with all these like gigantic radishes and uh you know the buckwheat was cool it was pretty we didn't, I didn't actually harvest any of it um i wanted to but i just didn't have the time or the the willpower to do it i guess um but it you know it does and i think it has helped a little bit and um Cause down here, you know, like there is no winter season that kills, kills your weeds, you know? Um, so it's always a constant struggle. You're all, yeah. Even, even in the cold winter months, like it doesn't kill things back. So trying to stay on top of that is always, it's, it's been, been a bit of a, a challenge, but, um, cover crops have, have helped a bit there. Uh, well, I'm hoping to find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys do for, uh, amendments then? Um, uh, mostly, I just add, you know, uh, composted uh, organic matter, and I'll, I'll add uh, all the chicken manure and the mm-hmm. pig manure, uh, some wood ashes, um, and then that's about it. You know, I'm trying to keep it as natural as possible and not um, going too crazy with. Uh, I, well, I don't use any fertilizer and, and I don't use any pesticides, so because I don't want to feed that to my family. So yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's funny like that that uh, most most people do in the the gardens that are willing to put the time into it um, opt opt out of all the the pesticides and stuff, and you look for something else to uh, to keep the bugs yeah, away. Yeah, companion plant companion plantings and things of that nature. We try. What have you What have you found to be successful at uh, at keeping the pests out of? Uh, I mean, marigolds work real well um, for us. And, um, like with my greens and stuff, I plant a lot of onions in and around my greens and that keeps the bugs from, you know, the worms from getting into my greens and stuff like that. Um, and every year I try a little something different, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll read something new and I'll put it in there, but the marigolds seem to really work well. Yeah. We, we, growing up as a kid, I always had luck with the, the marigolds, um, down here. We, we haven't had too many, there's a few buggy pests, um, but in terms of rodents and stuff, it's been we have we have dogs that keep all that stuff away. <laughs> but uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> to to some degree, they get a little little crazy. Uh, the chickens chickens will get out sometimes, and they, uh, you know, what one of them chase them all over. Well, one of them they 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 I don't know. They call them like feist dogs down here. It's I don't know some sort of Jack Russell mutt mix kind of thing i don't know there's probably some some southerner out there who's who's screaming at me right now but um they they use them for like squirrel hunting and they were just a couple strays and they like the prey drive on them is is amazing they catch squirrels they catch birds they catch you know all sorts of stuff and so they've uh done a number on the the chickens a couple times so oh geez (laughs) but uh, well you take the good with the bad right yeah you know um so you're you have chickens you mentioned um yep how did that start out was that one of those uh yeah uh yeah that was like a, a friend had chickens you know you go to a friend's house and he has chickens and he tells you how great chickens are <laughs> and, uh, so then i convinced my wife that we needed chickens and you know we built a coop and a run and all those things and uh we purchased chicks in the beginning but now we hatch our own eggs do you do you buy uh hatching eggs or do you just have like a, a sustainable flock we have a sustainable flock. We have a, we usually keep one rooster around. Um, once in a while, like last year, I, I wanted some different breeds, you know, to kind of mix in there because I had some Morans and things. I got some speckled Sussex that I ordered. Um, but for the most part, we just hatch out. Same with our ducks. We have ducks, and um, we actually kind of use those like uh, like the fainting goats, mm-hmm. you know, the the eagles and the and the foxes like to eat the ducks, but they don't eat the chickens. <laughs> So when the ducks are down to two or three, we hatch a whole bunch more ducks. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's funny. I didn't think. It, yeah, we uh, we have a couple ducks, but uh, they're just kind of random pickups. Do you? Uh, so what, what kind of chickens do you have then? Do you like? Is it just a? It's a whole. I I have a dozen chickens, and they're all different. Yep, uh, Gary Gary specialty. Um, good. How do you like the speckled Sussex? We we have a few of them that. Uh, uh, yeah, I haven't. They haven't started laying yet because I got those in the fall last year. But I mean, they're beautiful birds. Um, the Morans, I love the dark color eggs we get from those. Do you do anything with your your eggs and your your produce, or do you just kind of keep it all for your yourselves? We, we usually keep it all for ourselves. If we get you know a lot of extra people at work, are always looking, you know, for for eggs from us. You know, I, I God, I could have a hundred chickens back there and probably sell enough. You know, egg, all those eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many chickens do you have now? We have a dozen uh, females and one male. Lucky thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you guys uh, you keep them penned in all the time, or are they out uh, running around? 
No, they free range all day and then they go in at night unless we're having trouble with a particular predator and then I'll lock them in, you know, all day until I take care of that situation. Did they ever get into your garden at all? Uh, we have a fence. I mean, it's not super tall, but for the most part, they, they have enough room that they don't need to be in there. They do get into the mulch, you know, yeah, in front of the yeah. house where the flowers are and things like that. Right. And my neighbor's garden. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. And, uh, so I know you have, uh, so you have the ducks, you have the chickens, uh, you got some pigs, you said? Yeah, we do. Well, we, for years, we always got three pigs mm-hmm. that we would raise up. My friend, uh, Tom was a farmer, you know, so he always sold his piglets. But uh, this past fall, we artificially inseminated one of the sows or gilts, I guess they're called before they're bred. Um, and so this will be our first set of piglets. We're expecting April 1st. Okay. That's a... Uh... Interesting. Do you, do you I, I don't know that much about pigs. Do you have to uh, artificially inseminate them? No, you don't have to. Okay. I mean, you can keep a boar. Yeah. But the cost of keeping a boar through the whole winter to inseminate one pig mm-hmm. is not really worth it. Okay. Plus, I don't have a lot of room. I only have two acres here, so I can only keep a minimum amount of animals. Gotcha. Okay. What What are those costs like to, uh, to artificially inseminate? I, to me, it just seems like something that would be like expensive but i guess it's not that expensive if it's uh... no it's not too bad if you're not looking for like a show pig uh we use shipley's swine genetics and what they they have a deal where if you take the extras for lack of a better term the overruns that they don't have sold you get it for 25 bucks a dose okay and uh it takes three doses and then the other equipment was another 25 it cost me about 140 dollars with the shipping okay that's not bad so it's not bad. I mean, it, hopefully we'll get six to 12 piglets and that'll pay for itself. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, with the, with that, do you put them on the, the freezer yourself or do you, how does that work? We, we take them to, to a USDA butcher actually, okay, because we do sell a little bit here and there and it has to be through USDA's if we want to sell it. Right. Right. And you just, you sell it uh, at the farmer's market or just kind of on your own? Uh, on my own. I mean, I have a pretty good following on Instagram and, um, and on Facebook, you know, with more local people. Yeah. And, and, uh, in fact, we sold, I think we sold eight pounds to a, a local place, you know, that, that was going to use it, that, which was pretty cool, you know, to see our stuff there. Yeah. Um, but we don't, we can't raise them as much as we'd like. You know, I'd love to have 25 pigs to sell, but we just don't have the room right now. Yeah. Well, sounds, sounds, you have a lot going on. Um, hey, you get, uh, Pretty much all of your vegetables out of the garden, or do you guys you buy some stuff or? Uh, very little. I mean, uh, we didn't get uh, have a good crop of cauliflower this year, mm-hmm. and my wife likes the cauliflower rice, so she's been buying that. But other than that, I mean, we're still eating carrots and beans and corn, and we have enough to last us definitely until it's uh, time to start harvesting again. Gotcha. That's uh, that's quite a feat. Um, you know, get that get that all done on that that space. Um, it takes a, a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of effort on uh, both our parts, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you? How do you figure it all out to 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 get it into that size to get that much uh, crop out of uh, you know a garden that size? Is that something that you just learned through experience? Was it some classes that you took, books you read, uh, just? Uh- experience you know observation um lots of sitting out there with a beer at the end of the (laughs) night thinking about you know what i want to do next year that can make it better or or eliminating things that we really didn't need okay you know a lot uh in the beginning we would grow things that we didn't need and they might not be successful or they didn't keep well 
you know, like eggplant, I, you know, I used to grow eggplant, but it doesn't really keep well. Right. And, and we didn't really use it. We got rid of that from the garden. Um, so, you know, just utilize it for things we can actually use. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you say that, put it like that. Um, cause it, I think it's tough, not, not, not tough, but you know, when you start gardening and when you get the, the shiny catalog of seeds that comes in, in the, the winter throws, you know, you, you got to get all this stuff, but you know, when it comes time to, to put it in the ground, either you don't have space or you're taking up space, putting something in like, you know, eggplant where, what am I supposed to, I can't really freeze it. Um, right. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm like the only one that'll eat it, you know, um, it's, what are you, what are you using your space for? Um, Correct. Especially here where we, where space is at a premium. I, if you have more room, I suppose you can, can do that. Yeah. You know, we try to grow one fun thing every year, you know, something new to try to see how it works, Yeah. you know, so we don't become stagnant and it doesn't become boring, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what have you, have you found anything that you, you've grown and you're like, wow, this is great. You've uh, added as, to the rotation. Yeah. Yes. Well, well it's perennial, but asparagus. Okay. Uh, like three years ago, we added asparagus and we were like, oh my gosh, how come we weren't growing this, you know, yeah. all these years. So that, that was a big one. The perennials are, are just, it's like mind blowing when you start like looking into the different perennial vegetables and, and bushes and herbs out there. Um, you just put them in the ground once and they're, and they're there for the, the taking later. Um, yeah. You know, down here we have, we have rosemary like all over. We, instead of putting, uh, flowers in our, on our sidewalk, we have rosemary and, and thyme growing. And it's, it's, oh, it's a great know, idea. It just, it keeps all the weeds down and you don't have to keep planting it over and over again. But, uh, when, uh, when did you get into, into planting hops? Oh, that was, uh, actually my wife had brought me for Father's Day and the boys had bought me a hop plant, uh, got to be eight or nine years ago, and uh, just brought it home. And then I got into growing it, you know, because I love to make beer already. And that's why they gotten it for me. And it's, uh, that's been interesting because <laughs> I keep trying to split them and I, I have some success. I don't have success. You know, I'm still working on that. All right. And um, so how many hops do you have now? How many, how many plants do you have growing now? two, three, I think I have four now that were, well, that as of last fall, you never know in the spring, okay, but yeah. as of last fall, I had four going. All right. And I, I assume they're all the same variety. Yes. They're all split from the same, uh, from the original plant. Okay. And I, I believe they were called Columbus was the, the variety they were. Yeah. Cause that, that was, I, I, I've brewed a few batches of beer, not, not too many, but, um, do you, do you use your hops for, for brewing now then? Yeah, absolutely. I have, um, after I dry them, I put them in the vacuum sealer and freeze them and they're great. You know, you could take them right out and use them. Now d does it, cause you know, certain recipes call for certain types of hops. Um, does it make that, is, is the difference that noticeable to you that, you know, that you're using yeah. this variety versus that variety or. I'm not that much of a beer connoisseur, you know, okay. it, it gives me more pride to have my stuff in there than to worry about if I'm, if I'm hitting the recipe just right. So right. it tastes just like the one I had somewhere. Um, cause these are just a little bit more mild. They're not really super bitey, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, cause we grew them and, and I, you know, I know where they came from. Yeah. No, there's, there's, I don't blame you. It's, if I, if I did, I would probably do the same. Um, it's a, 
That's neat. And, uh, I don't know. So uh, on your Instagram, um, yeah, bearded fisherman. So you, I know you, you fish and you hunt quite a bit. Um, where do you, where do you go to do that? I guess, are, are you out on state land or do you lease land or? Yeah, we're, well, we, we do both, you know, we have, uh, we don't lease land, but we have some people that let us hunt on their land. Um, and some of it's right next to the house here, which is nice, you know, so if I get home after work, I can, I can get two hours in quick and get in the stand mm-hmm. or, and maybe 150 yards behind the house is the Delaware river. Oh, nice. Okay. And so, you know, we can run right down the road to the access there and, uh, and get on the river and, and ice fishing. There's a lot of like, um, summer camps here. So we know a few caretakers that let us fish on there. Okay. And then we have also have, um, New York city land up here for the reservoirs for New York city that we can access for free with a permit. All right. So you, how much, uh, how much are you able to put in the, the freezer that way in terms of meat? Yeah. Um, I think, well, last year my son was much more successful than I was. <laughs> so we harvested five, five deer between us. Okay. You know, and I would, I would say we average 40 or so pounds per deer. Yeah. You know, so you're talking 200 pounds of meat of venison. And then we, we did some, we actually took a charter up salmon fishing. We put 60 pounds of salmon in the freezer Nice. and then, you know, perch and trout. And I don't even know how many pounds that is because we fish all the time. That's awesome. That's, it, it's impressive what is out there. Um, when you are willing to put the time in to, to find the stuff out there. Um, I, my question for you, how do you, how do you find the time? What do you, what do you do to juggle it all? Cause I feel like you're, you're always, you've, you've always have one project or another going on. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just sort of how my mind works, you know, uh, when I, when I get home, I, the first, I run right in the house, I change my clothes, you know, from work and I go outside and I don't come in until, you know, who knows right, right now there's uh sap boiling in my driveway, <laughs> you know, I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just, I feel like if I'm sitting in the chair doing nothing, I'm not really making good use out of my, not only my time, but my life. So I think that kind of is what allows me to do more than it seems I should be able to do because I, I really enjoy doing it and that's what I want to be doing. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes I, I fall into the same thing. Like I, for me hunting, it's like, I enjoy it. Um, but it's hard for me to sit out there and, and do it because like my mind is I, I should be fixing this or I should be yeah. cutting the firewood right now. Like, what am I doing just sitting out here for, you know, this amount of time? But, uh, I don't know. Do you, so yeah. <laughs> do you, uh, I know I hear you. I do the same thing in the tree. I sit there and say, gosh, you know, when I don't see anything that day, I'll say, boy, I could have done this, 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 and this today. And that's it, right? If I see something, then that's great. But I never know if I'm going to see anything. And I usually don't. So it's kind of like, man, that was <laughs> such a waste. But uh, do you, uh, I, with with the sap, um, do you boil on on wood or do you boil on like a propane uh, cook stove? On wood. On okay. Wood. All right. I built an evaporator a few a few years ago. So do you heat your house with wood as well? Yep, we we heat with a. It's a inside furnace, but it's a forced hot air wood furnace that, that's like an add on to our conventional furnace. All right, and now on two acres, I. I you have to be getting wood from from somewhere else. Um, yes. Do you do you purchase it pre-cut, or does you just have kind of like logs, trees dropped off that you buck in your front yard? Or yep, you got it. I got I got a you know a triaxle load of logs, and that guy charged me six hundred bucks. 
Okay. And it's usually about eight chords by the time I'm done. Wow. But I have to cut it and split it and stack it and all that kind of stuff. All right. And uh, I'm curious, because I, I know I've seen pictures and I know I've talked to you before about how you you stack your wood. Um, and I'll, I'll throw some of those pictures in there. But uh, what what is this what is this technique? Well, it's called a, a Holzhausen. And it's, uh, it's a technique of stacking wood that keeps the inside dry. And uh, it sort of creates a chimney effect with the air gets drawn up through it and it dries your wood quicker. And you don't have to have tarps sitting out there on top of your wood, you know, looking terrible and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's, it just doesn't, um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I get it. I get it. But it just seems so strange. Does, did the outside pieces kind of, the, the ones that are really exposed to the, to the weather, do they um, start to, I don't know, they degrade don't, they at don't all? They rot, but they definitely are a little wetter than the stuff on the inside. Uh, the stuff on the roof, which is, you know, a, a teepee, uh, you stack with the bark all out so the water runs off of it. Okay. And that's that's enough to not allow it to to permeate the inside, I guess? Yep. Yep. Right. The only thing is the animals like it in there, you know, the, the mice and yeah. the chipmunks and stuff. So Yeah, my uh my dad is up there in uh upstate and he he has a had had a woodchuck trying to live under the the wood pile and uh <laughs> oh man those guys get in there and it's just it's a mess you know they start digging and messing everything Towards up you get in your garden it's even worse Ooh. yeah 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 they uh they didn't make stew they should have but they didn't uh, i told them <laughs> i told them after i was like dad what are you doing but uh so with the uh with a sap um how much sap how much yeah how much syrup do you guys end up with at the uh the end of the year I think last year we made eight gallons of syrup. Okay. Uh, and and the trees that I'm tapping run like fifty to one, so that's four hundred gallons of sap. So um, now, so that number fifty to one. Um, how much variation is there in in that ratio? Oh, yeah, it can be huge. I mean, because I'm tapping. Um, I mean, they they say you should tap sugar maple, but you can tap any maple. So I'm right. tapping hard maple, soft maple, silver maples. Um, so. If you have a, a good hard maple, you know, those big old ones that grow along the edge of the field, uh, you might get 30 to one. You know, the silver maples are always 50 to one or sometimes they're even worse. Okay. All right. Cause yeah, I, I remember, I know I've seen 40 to one and I, I when, when I lived up there, we, uh, we did sap, uh, a few times. Um, I don't think we ever figured out any sort of ratio, but, um, do you ever, do you ever tap anything else? Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've read in places that you can tap like hickory or, or birch. Um, and that's, yeah, I've you done know, birch. how, how does, how did that work? How was that? That was a, that was a hundred to one. <laughs> did you, did you make it just like straight birch syrup or did you uh, end up mixing it with, with maple? No, it was, I did straight birch because I want to know what it tasted like. I guess it's a different, I can't remember what kind of sugar it is, but it's a different sugar than maple syrup sugar. Okay. One's like sucrose, one's fructa. I, I, I don't know the chemical uh, term. So I want to see what it tasted like. And it was super, super sweet. Interesting. Is it something you would do again or is it just kind of too much work? And, too much work, yeah. yeah, for what you were getting out of it. I think I, I tapped like, I think I had 10 t- trees tapped and I made less than a quart of syrup out of 10 trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's it's not easy. Do you do you have a, um, do you use like the the, I don't know. Tigon tubing or whatever whatever type of tubing they run from from trees. Yeah, I have. I used uh, the tubing and okay. um, 
five gallon pails. Okay. But uh, I'll make little runs between two or three trees, but I can't do too many because I'm restricted by the five gallon pail. Mm-hmm. So if you put too many together, it's just going to run over the top and out on you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what we, uh, as a kid, um, that was what we had, you know, buckets on our, on our taps, um, and it collect there. But, uh, when I lived in Vermont for like five years, four years there, it was just, I'd go for a run down some of these back roads and it was, it just blew mind blowing, uh, to see just the expanse of these trees dumping off into, you know, 200 gallon water tanks, you know, and knowing just, just in my mind, like knowing somebody's going to have to come get this, like how all this stuff that's up there, (laughs) just, and all the logistics that go into it. And it's just, it's, uh, the syrup is, is, it's fascinating to me. And when you get to that size, I mean, that's, that's a full-time job. You know, you have to have big equipment, you have a big investment. You know, I, I might have between the evaporator and my stuff, I got less than 500 bucks invested in the whole operation, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I try not to do anything that becomes a big investment because then you have no choice. You know, if I had to let it go for a year, a $500 investment is not a big, big deal. I mean, it's not a little bit of money, but if you had $10,000 invested, you can't let it go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I hear you guys just use that pretty much for your, for yourself throughout the year. Or do you, we, we sell a little bit of it. You know, I try to sell enough to offset the cost of like all the jugs. And I mean, it, it definitely is not a money-making no, <laughs> no. Between between it and the man hours that go into it, like it, because that's you know you can't just people that don't know you can't just boil it. Like it takes time to boil it because it's it's, oh, it's yeah. gotta like you know simmer and and you can't just cook it yeah. hot and fast mine all the time. Uh, mine goes six gallons an hour. I can boil. Okay. Yeah. Um, on my uh, evaporator. Nice. Well, all right. Um, before I let you go, uh, any. Uh, Anything you, you uh, I don't know, have come across that you're like, people starting out, you know, just don't do this or make sure to do this or try this or don't try that? Any any thoughts out there? I, I would say try try everything. You know, um, it's a short life. You know, if you're, not, if you're not doing things that you're interested in, you know, in your free time, um, then what's the point? So I, w- I would say try everything. You know, do your research, obviously. Um, I, I was lucky enough on Instagram to, uh, have a lot of other home, like a homestead community of people. I could ask questions and things like when I inseminated the pig, um, I was talking to a lady on Instagram and she gave me some pointers and things and, you know, use your resources and, and try everything. Yeah. Social media has its, its issues, no doubt, but, um, there are, are so many resources out there, um, that when you, when you want to utilize them, um, it's a wonderful thing to have for, for sure. Yeah, I, I've met some wonderful, wonderful people that I exchange, you know, gifts with, and and you know, I'll send syrup one way, and then maybe cheese will come back, or nice. <laughs> or something like that. And I've had nothing but a positive experience uh, with Instagram and social media. Good deal, good deal. All right. Um, so there's the website, Two Branches Homestead. Um, you're on Instagram, and that was uh, bearded, bearded fisherman. Right. Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you tell us <laughs> where we can okay. find you? <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, on Instagram, uh, my account is a bearded fisherman. It's, it's actually bearded fisherman, sorry. Uh, we have a, a website where we have a blog and some recipes. That's twobrancheshomestead.com. Uh, I'm on a Twitter as bearded fisherman as well. So, uh, and if anybody ever wants to reach out with a question, you know, because 
maybe I have a little knowledge I could pass on. That would be great. It would make me happy to do it. All right. All right. I'll put all those, those links in the show notes and, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate your time and, uh, sharing, sharing your, your stories there. No problem. It's really nice to talk to you. All right. Thank you. So that was that was Gary, Mr. Gary, the bearded fisherman. He's a fun guy, good guy. Almost makes me want to uh, head back up there. Not not quite, not quite. I do miss uh, miss the syrup, missing miss tapping trees, and uh, and that business. That was always always fun to do. And nothing nothing tastes better than uh, your own maple syrup. That that flavor is just indistinguishable. And even if you buy it, your Vermont maple syrup in a in a jar somewhere else, it's. Uh, it's not quite the same as, as getting it off a, a condenser. There it is. I have not figured out down here quite yet how in, in Georgia how to to tap trees. If there are trees, you can tap. Uh, I suppose we have some some river birch, but I, I doubt the sugar content in those is going to be anything worth your time. But uh, if someone knows out there what uh, if there's a natural sort of sugar source down these parts, uh, I'd be curious to to hear um, see what that that entails. Anyway, folks, I appreciate you guys sticking here. Um, I know you probably got nothing else to do. You're you're locked away from work. You're locked in your office. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. You have to keep distance from everyone. What better time now to go and download our the full back catalog? If you haven't listened already, you can go listen to them all now. Because what else do you have to do but sit around and wait for the toilet paper truck to show up? <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, head over to homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Amazon and, uh, you know, click through and that's our, our little affiliate link. Yeah, get a little bit of a kickback. It ain't a whole lot, but uh, it helps, helps keep the lights on. And uh, if you want to keep the lights on even more, you can go over to patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie and uh, sign up to support me every month. Send me a little bit of money and I will send you some seeds, send you some stickers and, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe keep you up to date on any projects we got going on here and some other stuff, uh, some bonus content and, uh, future, future seeds that I have being saved will, uh, will go your way. I think maybe, maybe send some out this spring. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so that's all for today. Come back, uh, next week. My guest will be Mr. John Mons and we'll be talking homeschool and, uh, more, more good stuff about that. So come back and, uh, I'll be, I'll be here. I'll be here. I've already got that one recorded. So if I get struck down by the COVID, uh, it'll still be here. How, how about that? Isn't that, isn't that wonderful thing? Uh, anyway, folks, get out there. Sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together.